Let's do this. Let's go to our good friend in Washington, D.C. He is the White House correspondent for Real Clear Politics, Philip Wegman. Philip, good afternoon to you. Welcome to the Pat Miller Program. Hi there. Good afternoon, Pat. Thanks for having me. Yep, you bet. Um, so, you know, I'd asked you what it was that you wanted to talk about today, and I think you actually said kind of, just kind of like a, a general midterm preview, which would make sense. First of all, after all the back and forth, all the conversations you and I have had, all the things I've heard, all the things you and I have both read on our own and together, it's hard to believe that in two weeks it's over. Yeah, in two weeks it's over, and then the second half of the Biden presidency begins because there's going to be all sorts of unanswered questions uh, the Wednesday after Election Day. How does Biden deal with either a Republican majority in the House or how does he deal with a Republican majority in the Senate? These are consequential questions uh, that are going to you know, determine not just the next two years, but, you know, could put the country on a very different footing um, as we're dealing with inflation, as we're dealing with gas prices. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Well, it will. And am, am I overreading this, Philip? Uh, and and Philip is is a young man who has some, some great insights. I love uh, talking to him and being around him. Um, I should have taken more notes when you and I were together at the Dubliner <laughs> restaurant a few weeks ago in D.C. I can't remember half of what we talked about. I just know you were the smarter half at the table. Um, but but when when you say, you know, it's hard to know what is going to be the, the, the consequences for the president going forward, what about the consequences for the vice president going forward? If, in fact, we are not at a... 50-50 or even a 51-49 Senate because you never know what Murkowski and Romney are going to do. Uh, so it might be more like a 50-50 even when it's not. But if we end up with like a 53-47 Republican Senate, what does that do? Does that not to a degree uh, demote the effectiveness of a Kamala Harris in Washington? Well, if you talk to some folks on the right and the left, they would say that the vice president hasn't been terribly effective uh, already. But it's a really great question, because right now the Senate is split 50-50. And right now, anytime there's a tie, the vice president leaves the Eisenhower office building uh, next to the White House, gets in her motorcade, drives to Capitol Hill, and casts the deciding vote. Uh, without that tie, there's no need for a tiebreaker. Yeah. And, frankly, uh, this is a vice president who uh, the White House would dispute this, but it's true, has been put out on an island. She's been handed some of these policy portfolios uh, that no one could really make headway on uh, without significant changes in Congress. And so, yeah, it could be a very lonely next two years uh, for the vice president, because if she doesn't have much to do on Capitol Hill, um, it's not clear that her portfolio is going to be expanded. And frankly, as we look at the polls right now, um, the real clear politics projection, and this is a projection right now based off of the current polling uh, map that we see, things obviously can and do change, uh, the expectation is that Republicans would not only win the House, but in all likelihood uh, could win the Senate as well. And if that happens, yeah, it's a much more limited role for the vice president. Yeah, I, I still go back to what I said a week or two ago uh, when I was with you. I really see a path for the Senate to end up 53-47. I, I genuinely do. 
Um, I, I yeah. think when you look at what could happen in Pennsylvania, what could happen in Georgia, what I think will happen uh, in Arizona, uh, those are some contests that I think, uh, especially with in, in this last two weeks, where things are sliding more red, you can't take it for granted, but in that slide, um, it, it could be very uncomfortable for the Democrats. Yeah. And so let's rewind to this summer when Democrats were leading Republicans in the generic congressional ballot. Uh, you pointed this out um, before, I, I think, uh, and you, you were right to do so, that, that generally the generic ballot that favors Democrats, um, you know, because the, there's more Democrats who vote as a population uh, than there are Republicans. But over the summer, Democrats felt really good because uh, they were leading Republicans in the generic congressional ballot. They, yep. they had a silver lining in a row. And what we have seen since is that while the White House tries to double down on abortion, poll after poll shows that first and foremost, the economy is the biggest issue. Uh, that's in the New York Times and the Harris poll. And that shows that not only is that an opinion held by conservatives and Republicans, but it, it's held by um, the White House's own voters. Democrats and women continue to both say that the economy is their first and foremost concern. And so, you know, when you look at Nevada, where uh, Senator uh, uh, Cortez Masto has been trying to attack Adam Laxall over right. abortion, right. he just sort of shrugs it off and he says, look, Go, go tell me uh, what the price of gas is right now. Or if you go to um, Ohio, uh, that's a, a very strong argument for, for J.D. Vance to focus on those kitchen table issues. Or even Georgia. For a while, Republicans thought that Herschel Walker was going to um, be a big loser, that this was going to be an L for Trump, who, who endorsed the former NFL uh, running back. But the thing is, if you look at polling, either um, the – Either the electorate down there didn't care for the allegations or, um, you know, they, they believe them, but they care more about having a, a Republican majority. And right now, that's a toss up. And Warnock has led uh, Herschel Walker by just two points in the last three polls. That's an incredibly dangerous place to be if you're an incumbent. Yeah. That, and as an incumbent, some people say, well, he's still ahead by two. You just brought up a great point as an incumbent. It should never be that close. That means that people are looking at you and saying, you know what, you haven't been really doing the job for us. I think we need to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. and, and so I was speaking with a senior GOP official the other day. Obviously, uh, take what they say with a ground of salt because these guys are paid to be optimistic, right? But the point that they noted was that generally during these off-year elections, when a president is in power and he's unpopular, of course, you know, there's going to be um, a bit of souring, right? Uh, Democrats were always going to take their lumps in the House. But what generally happens is, is beyond just sort of this um, backlash vote. You have progress. You have you have moderates and independents who break late, and their expectation is not just that the current polling map is going to favor Republicans. Their expectation is that independents and moderates are going to help them run up the score in some of these races. We'll see if that's true. It's an interesting um, theory of the case. But right now, uh, if you're a Democrat at the DNC, you're preparing for a long, unhappy night. If you're a Republican at the RNC, uh, you're preparing the champagne uh, to pop if McConnell uh, is majority leader in the Senate. 
Okay, so let's do this. Uh, you tell me. Uh, you're you're far more inside the Beltway than I, uh, and you're also far smarter than I am. So you just tell me. Um, how in the next two weeks, how do the Republicans stub their toe? And, and how is it that they reach for the brass ring and miss it? Yeah, the, the, the big question here, because, um, you know, Republicans, they only need to net one seat. And that means they only need to improve uh, their numbers by one. But they could also lose, right? You could see uh, J.D. Vance, you could see his lead evaporated Ohio. I think that that's unlikely. Uh, you could see uh, Adam Laxalt stepping it in Nevada, perhaps. Maybe something comes out as a real, true October surprise just a week away from the election in, in Georgia. But the biggest possibility uh, for a unforced error is tonight in the Pennsylvania Senate debate. You've got uh, the lieutenant government, lieutenant governor John Fetterman facing off against Dr. Oz. Now, a lot of voters have already cast their ballots in Pennsylvania, and there's not as much conservative enthusiasm for Oz as there are for some of these other Republican challengers. But if he goes too hard against Fetterman, who's suffering um, from the after effects of a stroke, if he goes too hard, if he appears uh, less than compassionate, if um, he, you know, makes an own goal, th then he could lose in Pennsylvania. And, um, you know, perhaps uh, we're looking at a 51-49 Senate or, or maybe even a, a tied Senate. Well, every, and every time I think about Pennsylvania, um, and I have never met Fetterman. Have, have you ever been somewhere where he was speaking? Have you, have you gone to Pennsylvania at all in the last several months? I've only seen him from afar, and he is a mountain of a man. Yeah, he's a big guy. Uh, but but what scares me about him is I'm wondering if he's going to be the senatorial equivalent of Calvin Coolidge. Uh, you know, he gets elected, he goes into office, and his wife ends up running everything because he'll be unable to do it. I mean, this is a guy, how's he supposed to do this if he can't even read questions that he needs to answer without his teleprompter, and the teleprompter is not just prepared speeches, it's so he can understand words that are being said to him. How's he gonna function on the floor of the Senate? Well, certainly we, we, we wanna be um, sympathetic here, obviously, uh, because he's going through some pretty difficult challenges. But, you know, it, it, it's a question that the White House has opened the door to. Um, the president himself has said that uh, the lieutenant governor's wife would make a excellent lady in the Senate. Uh -huh. um, th there's questions of, of just how involved he would be. And it's not just uh, a, a issue of whether or not he can, you know, debate on the Senate floor. There are all sorts of other things that these senators are called upon to do in committee, uh, things that we often don't see. And you know, he has to demonstrate this is not an uncompassionate uh, bar. He has to demonstrate that he's capable. And thus far, um, many in the media and many on the left have demanded that we treat him with kid gloves. And that is not an acceptable uh, response, frankly, because this country is not dealing with kid glove problems. No, that's exactly right. You, you need somebody for the good of the people of Pennsylvania and for the good of the country. You need somebody fully functioning. 
I'm not saying that they're not fully functioning if they don't agree with all the policies I agree with, but I'm saying he's got to be fully functioning that I know that he's even dealing with things with all the policies he believes in. Mm-hmm. And, look, there are, you know, I'm not breaking any news here when I say that there are plenty of people in Washington, D.C. who continuously look to use their relationship or their proximity to a member of Congress or someone in power for their own gain. And frankly, and this is this is sad to say, but I think that there would be people who would look to uh, take advantage of the tragic circumstances um, that the uh, lieutenant governor has had to deal with, and they would try to turn that to their own advantage. And he's, you know, if he's elected, he's going to have to be on guard for that uh, to make certain that as the elected representative, he's the one making the decisions and no one else. Any idea where you're going to be on election night as results start coming in around the country? Do you have a an RCP place that you're going to be? You're going to do it from your house and office? Where are you going to be? So uh, I, I was originally going to head over to Pennsylvania, but um, I don't think that that's going to lead to any unique coverage. I think I'm probably going to hole up either in the bureau or uh, – Maybe maybe post up by one of the bars close to the RNC or DNC, and maybe get some some candid reactions yeah. from uh, some staffers. If it's not too much to ask, try to carve me out a little spot here and there, where you you can get to us that night when when stuff starts breaking. You'll know some of the breaking before I will, uh, and and I'd be really curious to know. I really think you know, and you know how many times. You're a young man. How many times have you heard, this is the most important election of my life? You know, and we hear it every time. But but I think this could be one of the more consequential ones just because of the way it shifts the, the power in Congress uh, going into the last part of a uh, of a Biden presidency. I, I think it could be very telling. Absolutely. And a good example of this is just today we had Dr. Ja, who is the White House coordinator on COVID. He was in the briefing room talking to reporters, and he almost sounded uh, moderate on the question of whether or not there should be required vaccines for children going back to public school. And, uh, of course, like we, we want to pretend that all of the medical advice, all of the scientific advice that we've gotten is completely apolitical, but you know, that's not what we saw previously. And so, you know, perhaps um, his answer, which was to let uh, local leaders decide is uh, a reflection of the fact that, you know, this administration doesn't want to, you know, poke the electorate more than they already have. They, they don't want to inflame passion. And so we were waiting around for a sister soldier moment where the, the president would chastise his own party for their excesses, not unlike Clinton did. Um, you know, during his time in office. Right. And perhaps when he has to compromise with uh, Speaker McCarthy and Majority Leader um, McConnell, maybe that's when uh, the the Biden moderate who campaigned in 2020 emerges. Well, listen, I had three more questions I want to get I wanted to get to you today, and I didn't, which means next week you you, you got to be ready for Pat Miller rapid fire. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> anytime, Pat. All right. Hey, thanks, my good friend. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, sir. Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics there in Washington, D.C. We'll be back with more straight ahead. Podcasts by Federated Media.